This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We know what we can do as a, as a team, and you know we're kind of on the bubble right now, so we need to you know, get some points. And you know, I think we we made the playoffs. You know, we're we're built as you know as a playoff team. I feel in my mind. I think we just gotta you know work like you said a good sprint till the end and get into the playoffs. That is Flames forward Jonathan Huberto as the Calgary Flames get set, as he said, for a push towards the playoffs. 32 games remaining, and it all starts tonight in New York against the New York Rangers. Welcome to the program. It is Sportsnet Today. I'm Logan Gordon along with you here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, your home of the Calgary Flames. We're broadcasting live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And yes, it is a Flames game day. The all-star break is behind us. And it's right back to action for Daryl Sutter's crew as they look to use these final two, final 32 games as a springboard into a playoff spot. And all the back and forth that we've had over the first couple months of this season can quickly be erased if this team can make it to the playoffs and prove, again, what Jonathan Huberto said there and what a lot of us said going into the season, that this team is built for the playoffs and is built to have better success there. They've still got to get there, but that uh, is still an option for this team. And like I said, it begins tonight with a matchup against the New York Rangers. Uh, We'll uh, chat with our Flames analyst, Peter Labardi. is coming up in just moments here to kick off the program like we always do. Plenty of Flames news and notes ahead of this one. Uh, Just an hour of the program today. We'll switch things over to Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg. Coming up in just about an hour's time as we have an early puck drop from New York this afternoon, but we'll also make sure to check in with the Flames' opponent, the New York Rangers, uh, this afternoon. Later on this hour, uh, Colin Stevenson, who covers the Rangers for Newsday Sports, is going to join us. They are starting Yaroslav Halak in goal. They've got a lot of interesting questions around themselves, too. They are in a playoff spot when it comes to the Eastern Conference side of things. Pretty secure in that playoff spot, but... Still more to come. The questions and you know rumors around, are they going to go for Timo Meyer? Is Patrick Kane an obvious fit there? What does this team need ahead of the trade deadline? We'll dive into all of that. Flames and Rangers will see each other twice this month. Once in New York and then once back at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. But let's go ahead and welcome in our first guest. He joins us every single day to kick off the program. He is the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And he is Peter Labardius. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the Gemini Group.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am great. Thank you kindly. Lovely day here in Calgary, Alberta. Yes, uh, feeling good, feeling uh, refreshed and ready to go here for the uh, stretch run. Uh, it begins tonight in New York, uh, nine days off for the Calgary Flames. These are always interesting games, Lou, as to you know what team you're expecting to show up after an extended break. Well, listen, 
first off, Logan, both teams are in the same boat. So they both, you know, the Flames actually played one day later than the last game for the Rangers. Um, The real key word in these situations is simple. And even when I chatted earlier today for our pregame show with assistant coach Ryan Huska, you know, being simple in your game, you're not going to have your normal legs. You have not skated a whole lot, um, as we saw on social media, and good for them. You know, I'm, I'm sure they did due diligence, but like most of us, the break came at a good time, and it was nice to get away from it for a while and take your mind off for this team, what had been a very up-and-down, inconsistent Lots of outside noise, first 50 games. So it will be whoever gets to their game the quickest who can stay with it. And for the first couple of games in particular, especially tonight, don't expect, you know, a Picasso or a Rembrandt. Just be smart, be simple, and... Put a good game on the table and hope it's good enough to get yourself a point or two against a team that is one of the hottest teams in the league at 16-4-3 since the 5th of December, which is the record that the Rangers have had in that time frame. Uh, from a Flames side of things, some news and notes to get to uh, post-All-Star break. Uh, Chris Tanev has been activated off of the injured reserve and is expected to play tonight back on that pairing with Mackenzie Weger. They were together at morning skate. We'll start right there, Lou, because that's a massive, massive piece of positive news for this team. We headed into the break with those back-to-back games against Chicago and Seattle without Chris Tanev, and I think everybody in the Flames organization and everyone who cheers for the team had their fingers crossed that come post-All-Star break, Chris Tanev would be ready to go, and he is ready to go tonight. Well, I didn't know how it was going to go. And then yesterday when I, you know, saw the two player moves with Pelche and and Dennis Gilbert, you know, you're not always sure what Chris's condition might be. You have to have some extras on a trip like this. You never know about health or sickness and you're a long way from home. So it's, it's not easy to, you know, shuttle players in and out like it is when the Wranglers are at home and the Flames are at home. So it's phenomenal news. We'll see what kind of condition he's in. I'm going to guess. I don't think he's ever really been at a hundred percent all season. I don't think he's probably going to be, but Logan, as you know, because we talked about it many times right after he was hurt in that game, I wasn't sure we were seeing him for a long time. So the fact that it was two games, is an absolute blessing. Um, he's the glue of this group, makes their entire game better. And I didn't even want to ask today because I've asked so many times, but as usual from Ryan Huska, you get just some of the greatest answers and, and greatest ability to learn from almost any coach I've ever dealt with. So I went to the well today again, and I said, you know, having Chris back, what does it mean? And the neat thing in this answer, Logan, is he added a different wrinkle. And the wrinkle is about hockey IQ, which in many ways we think about offensive players and ability to make plays. 
But this guy's hockey IQ to check and defend is at a high, high level. Here's Ryan on Chris and his return. I mean, he is, when you look at the way he plays the game, uh, you, you look at the game's offensive players and their elite talents where they know where to be, where the puck's going to come and it ends up on their stick. People always talk about that, but you rarely hear that about a guy on the defensive side of the puck. Well, Chris has that ability to know where the play is going to be, and he always seems to put himself in the right position. So he thinks ahead defensively. So, um, and that's five on five. That's killing penalties. It's all that stuff. So he's an important guy uh, in our room for a lot of different reasons. Not necessarily the vocal side of it, but the way he plays the game. There aren't really many nights that you can count that he's taken off. Uh, and I think that's what has allowed him to have so much success and our, our group in general when he's in the lineup. And so I thought that was a great assessment. And it's one that, you know, we ask, as you know, all the time and for good reason. And I'm about as big a Chris Tanev fan as I think you could find in this market. Um, I've loved his game for a long time, a lot longer than he's been a flame. But that was a really interesting, I thought, anecdote. So I wanted to share it, not only on the pregame show for the people who will listen to that, but on our hit today. And, you know, especially on the road. The other thing I would add, Logan, is, as you know, I'm a huge believer in your top four. I don't think you can win anything without an excellent top four. And especially on the road, I think it's even more important because you don't control all the matchups. It is easier, and really the key matchups have a lot more to do with where faceoffs are taken, offensive, defensive zone. Matchups are really about trying to get your best defensive defenseman or your defenseman out against certain forward groupings and individuals but to have him back and to have him back period and when you're going to play you know five in a row again on the road where you don't have some of the extra luxuries that you might have in the matchup game at home that's great news too other than uh, Tanev's return, we were wondering, of course, after an extended break and, you know, how well Dan Vladar has played heading into the break, Lou, we wondered who might get the call in goal. It will be Jacob Markstrom tonight uh, against the New York Rangers, the Rangers counter with Yaroslav Halak. I guess just your thoughts on Markstrom getting the start. I think a few people were wondering if we might see Dan to start off this uh, road trip for Calgary. Well. Well, Logan, you're very familiar with the book that I use for all games Yes, um, that I've been using my whole career. And some of my best friends, they just refer to it as the book. Um, <laughs> I, I generally only put one goalie in the book. So today or last night when I was doing some prep on the airplane on the way home, um, I put Jacob Marks from first. And generally, I only put one goalie in the book until I know different. Last night, I put both in. And one of the findings, though, in doing the work and doing the prep, so I'm going to talk about it in two ways with Jacob. So, first of all, his record against the Rangers is excellent. 931 lifetime in his career against the Broadway Blue Shirts. So that's a good thing. But I think more importantly, and... You know, we've talked several times about, you know, players who might benefit the most from a mental break, getting away a reset. I think he would be one of them. 
And as Pat and I are going to discuss in more length, Logan, tonight, and and this is a great spot for you to weigh in because you may have a couple of other candidates. I think arguably for me, when I've looked at it, I've looked at all the splits, home, road, how guys have been trending. For the Calgary Flames to get into the playoffs, I'm not sure there are two more important, potentially impactful players in their next 32 games than Jacob Markstrom and Jonathan Huberto. And after a really, really tough beginning, and even for Jacob, when you assess save percentage and, you know, even wins and losses, whether it's lack of goal support that he's received I'm I'm still a believer, and, and I know that there's more for him to give. He knows that. And so I look at those two guys taking it up another notch. I'm not saying that either one of them has to necessarily get anywhere near, because in Huberto's case, he's not getting to 115. If he got to 70, this team's going to make the playoffs, I think. And for Jacob, if Jacob can really get on a roll, I also think this team has a great chance in its last 32 to probably earn itself the equivalent of 20 wins, which is probably pretty close to what they're going to need to get in. So he gets the call tonight. We'll see where it goes from there. And... I know for a fact, in Jonathan's case, we have not seen his best. And it's been trending better. His last two months have been much better production-wise. And I feel exactly the same way about Jacob. And I have a lot of faith. I cheer hard for both guys. Big fan of both. And understand that it has not been easy for either of them but I think they're going to be incredibly important if this team is going to play past April the 12th. Jonathan Peter Labardi is the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, the fan Flames and Rangers. 5.30 puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. Lou will join Pat Steinberg on our Flames warm-up at 4.30 this afternoon. Uh, And the biggest Flames topic that we haven't talked about yet, Lou, that we're going to get to right now is the call-ups, of course, twofold when you were going on a break, uh, as long as the Flames went on, was one, you know, accruing cap space and making it up uh, so you have as much possible money available for you at the trade deadline, but also uh, the schedule didn't line up with the AHL's All-Star break exactly, and you had a chance to get Walker Dewar, Dennis Gilbert, and Jacob Pelche into some AHL games, so that's exactly what the Flames did after their game against Seattle, sending all three back down to the Wranglers. And yesterday we learned that Jacob and Dennis would be rejoining the team today in New York. And uh, surprise, surprise, Jacob Peltier finds himself back on that line where he's been the last few games with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. Just what have you started to see from that group? I really think there's something about that connection. It seems like Huberto you know, might see a little bit of himself in a young Jacob Pelche, and it might help Huberto find his game a bit more, taking on some responsibility, you know, sort of taking Jacob Pelche under his wing. Well, I think that's part of it, Logan, but I think the big story is Jacob himself. And 
it's a small sample size, but in his time with the Calgary Flames, and albeit short, and this will be a very important road trip for him, very important, to see if he is a little closer to being an everyday NHLer. The role might change. The line mates might change. But the one aspect of Jacob's game that has always been high is his IQ. And right behind it, or at least equivalent, is his work. And whether he was a little better in some games, used more in others, he used to be in that spot to at least begin. And he's done it with all those attributes. He has not been a liability defensively. He looks right now like an NHLer. Now, ask me at the end of the trip if he still does. That may be another conversation. But he has been good for them. And I am as excited to watch him on this trip as almost any because he's going to go into some different surroundings, um, starting with the world's most famous arena tonight, which, as Ryan Huskett also talked about, I don't care whether you're from Trail BC like he is, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan like I am, or Logan Gordon or Jacob Pelche is from Quebec City. That's a special place. And so this is going to be a really great trip for him in all kinds of ways, and, and I'm, I'm excited because, you know, he's going to have to be a good player on this trip for this team to probably do some really good things and create some matchup situations for other teams. And they're taking on a really good team that, not unlike the Flames, you know, can throw some really good lines at you. And the most underrated thing about the Rangers, for me, is their young defense. So, really excited for Jacob. Um, I think, you know, the game is still a lot about finding chemistry and duos. I think, you know, Jonathan has been better with Nazem, and I do. I, I, I also believe, like what you said, because I've mentioned it a couple of times myself, I think there is some synergy in that, you know, they're both from French-speaking backgrounds, are both from Quebec. They both played in the Quebec League and were both very, very successful there. And, you know, if you care about people, and I have no trouble saying this, I know Jonathan Huberto well enough to know this. He cares about people. And, and he can be a sensitive guy. But he wants the best for himself, and he wants the best for others. And if even that little piece of playing with Jacob makes him feel like he's giving him something and helping to mentor him and being a guy that can help take him through his early days in the NHL, yes, Logan, I think that could be very beneficial even for the Flames number 10. You mentioned it there quickly that you've been uh, impressed with the young defense for the New York Rangers, and, and how can't you be? But just you know, give me a, a sense. It's our first time to see the Rangers this season, Lou. We'll see them again in person in a couple weeks uh, for Hockey Night in Canada uh, on the 18th of February. But what do you see when you look at this Rangers squad led uh, by Gerard Gallant? Well, 
Well, you know, I like a lot of their pieces. You know, they're a good team. They started slow. Um, you know, they have great a great goaltender in Shesterkin who um, didn't enjoy his two games against the Flames last year. The Flames got him twice for five. Um, so the Flames are going to see Yaroslav Halak, who's had great career numbers against Calgary tonight coming out of the break, and not Shesterkin, but they're in good shape there. I really like their defense, you know, led by Adam Fox and what he has been able to do. Um, you know, the more of a shutdown pairing of Truba and K. Andre Miller, who's only 23 years old. Um, very impressive. And K. Andre Miller, just a, a tremendous athlete, first and foremost. Um, a really underrated guy on their team for me, Logan, is Ryan Lindgren. He's not a big guy plays big, um, doesn't score much. In fact, he doesn't have a goal in 92 NHL games, but he's Fox's partner. He's a very steady Eddie guy, which allows, you know, Adam to do what he does with a lot more comfort. They have great synergy. And former Brandon Wheat King captain and world junior and world championship gold medalist, Braden Schneider, um, has been a really, really good fit um, in a third pairing. I think they could still use an upgrade there, maybe a number five guy. But remember, those guys all range in age from, like, 21 to 28. Mm -hmm. So, and with an area that important, they have done an excellent job of building that group. They have... And they have everything. They have physicality. They have athleticism. They have an elite number one guy, point producer. They got it all back there. And if they look after it properly, they're going to have it there for a long time. Uh, one more piece of business to get to. We usually do this on a Friday, but uh, thanks to some scheduling changes we had uh, with the All-Star break last week, Lou, we didn't get a chance to do this. So we'll do it today. Uh, and we'll do it again on Friday this week. It's time for another edition of What Does Lou Say? And it's brought to you by our good friends at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, now open Tuesday to Sunday at 5 p.m., the perfect place to indulge before the game. Enjoy prime steak, broiled to perfection, and serve sizzling on a 500-degree plate. It's a very simple contest. All you have to do, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960, go to the contest tab, find the What Does Lou Say tab, and then we will... Uh, ask you to put in a question for Peter Labardius, and if we answer your question, usually on a Friday, uh, you would be the next winner of a pair of lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game, and of course, a $200 gift card to visit our friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Our winner today is Trish. She's got uh, that $200 gift card, Lou, and uh, surprise, surprise, uh, a pair of tickets to the Flames and Rangers Saturday, February 18th, so that's going to be a great prize for Trish, here is her question for you. Uh, Lou, the Flames have been very inconsistent this year. They have amazing games where you think if they keep playing like this, they can beat anyone. Then they have games where they look awful. I'm just wondering what you think the key is to being a consistent team. What are the Flames missing that you, this year that's not allowing them to be that team? Well, what they've missed is consistency itself. And how you get there is that you have to do it collectively with playing a team game at a very high level on a regular basis. And that requires your best people in particular. 
playing at a high level on a regular basis. It's very true. Um, Trish's question is a great one. There is no simple answer because if you don't think that coaching staff hasn't been looking for it for 50 games, you're kidding yourself. And all you have to do, Logan, is go back to the last two games going into the break to kind of use it as a microcosm of the flame season. They were terrific in Seattle. Terrific. But they were no good against Chicago the day before. And that really, in many ways, is how their season has been. Their longest win streak, by my facts and figures, is three. They have got to now play more Seattle games and can ill afford too many more Chicago nights or the Colorado game, you know, eight days prior to that at home where they were not a very good team. This is a good team when it plays right. And it has, by and large, everybody going at a high level. And, yes, there are absolutely forwards who can be more consistent and better. A lot of them are trending in the right direction. But I still think this team's ability to check and move pucks out of their own zone more consistently and effectively on a night-by-night basis is a big reason why when they are a good team, they are, and when they're not, why they struggle. Thank you, Trish, for sending in her question. You can be the next winner of What Does Lou Say if you head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Go to the contest tab and ask Lou a question. Uh, what Does Lou Say brought to you by our friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse. The perfect place for game day. Order from the primetime menu and make it in time for puck drive. With two courses from $55 and three from $65, visit RoosChrisSteakhouse.ca. Lou, thanks for the time as always, pal, and uh, have a great broadcast tonight. We'll check with you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sounds looking good. Looking forward to being back in the saddle a little bit. <laughs> yes, All right, sir. have a good afternoon, everybody. See you, Lou. Pete Labardius, our Flames insider. He is brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit thegeminigroup.ca. Flames opponent tonight, the New York Rangers. Flames will get uh, very familiar with this Eastern Conference opponent, not only tonight, but as I mentioned again in February. Let's check in with one of the hottest teams in the NHL ahead of the NHL's all-star break. Colin Stevenson who covers the team for Newsday Sports, joins us for a little bit of a look at the opposition tonight. That's coming up next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you on a Calgary Flames game day. Flames and Rangers set for a 5.30 puck drop. Our Flames pregame show goes at 4.30. Derek Wills and Pete Labardius with all the action right here at 5.30 on Sportsnet 960. The fan, the Rangers, one of the hottest teams in the NHL heading into the All-Star break. We'll see if they're able to continue that momentum tonight against the Calgary Flames. Flames fans, hope that's not the case as they will see this Rangers team uh, a couple of times over the next few weeks, including a spot on Hockey Night in Canada here in Calgary on February 18th. But to check in on the Flames opponent tonight, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, welcoming Colin Stevenson, who covers the Rangers for Newsday Sports. Colin, thanks so much for doing this today, man. How are you? 
Oh, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's my pleasure to be on. It's, uh, we're, we're back to hockey after a, a nice little break. Uh, I hope you had fun on the break. Um, I didn't watch much of the All-Star festivities. <laughs> Really ready for some real hockey now. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, the the break was a a nice getaway from hockey, and uh, ready to get back to it tonight. And uh, an important game for both the Flames and the New York Rangers as we get right back into it. And uh, I'm curious, Colin. 49 games into the season for the Rangers, they find themselves in a playoff spot. They've got Washington on their tail. But do you have a good sense of what this New York team is just past the midway mark of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think they're. Um... You know they're they're, a, they're they should be a playoff team legitimately. I mean they they had a sluggish start to the season. Uh, they picked it up um, probably from about early December on, uh, but this is sort of more or less where we expected them to be at this point. Um, they're yes, Washington's on their heels, but they've got games in hand on Washington, um, so they're comfortably in a playoff spot at at this juncture. I think uh, you know they've they've been fortunate uh, to you know. Uh, not have any injuries or anything like that, um, significant injuries, uh, and and so this is this is where we would expect them to be. Now they've they've gotten here. Igor Shesterkin, the goalie, uh, has been good, but not as good as he was last season. And um, I think Jacob Truba, you know, I don't know if because they named him captain and maybe the sea's a little heavy. He uh, he did not have a banner first two thirds of the season or whatever, uh, but he's been okay. And, and then um, you know they're struggling. They've, they're, they're struggling to find some things. Uh, I think they miss Ryan Strom a little bit. Um, they they let Strom walk and they brought in uh, Vincent Trocheck, figuring that that he would be an upgrade over Strom pound for pound. Um, but it hasn't necessarily worked in terms of finding chemistry with Artemi Panarin. So they still got some questions um, to kind of answer and, and find answers for. Uh, but I think, you know, given given their talent level, given, you know, even Igor playing well, but not as well as last year, given Adam Fox, um, given Zibanejad and, and, uh, and, and Panarin, um, I think they're about where they should be. The recent buzz that I've seen around the the Rangers, just reading from yourself and others in the market heading into the uh, first game back from the All-Star break, was the Rangers in their considerations to run 23 players on the roster, which, of course, yeah. you know is going to affect things cap-wise as you get closer to the trade deadline. And it sure sounded as though Gerard Gallant was pretty convinced that, and I'll apologize if I get the, uh, the pronunciation wrong, but Will Cully, the second-round pick, uh, of the team had done enough to earn himself uh, more of a look. How has that conversation gone around the market, and how much focus, I guess, is there from this team as we get closer to that March third trade deadline? Well, so to speak about it's Cooley is is how he pronounced it, you. and to speak about him uh, specifically, I think you know, I think that's right. I think he, you know, he he's a rookie pro this year. I mean, he had uh, you know he had some time. He was a second-round draft pick in 2020, I think, and he had some time with the OH with the uh, with the American League during that COVID year, messed up when the OHL wasn't playing and whatnot. Uh, but this is his rookie year, uh, rookie pro year. Uh, started off not great, a little slow, but then started to pick it up. Scored a bunch of goals, earned himself a call-up, uh, and in two games uh, before the break, uh, did just fine. Um, didn't play a lot, you know, five or six minutes. And the fourth line wasn't getting a lot of ice time, but he was noticeable in in uh, in his time. And so, I think 
you know, they sent him down during the, the all-star break. He went down first game down in Hartford. He scored a goal. So they felt like, you know what, let's bring him back up and give him more of an opportunity. So, uh, you know, Galantis said that, um, he and Sammy Blay, who just got back from a, a conditioning stint down in Hartford, and he did well there too. He scored four goals in five games there. Uh, so both Blay and Cooley will be in the lineup tonight against Calgary. Uh, and and Julian Gauthier, who's really been the best and most consistent player on the fourth line all season, uh, is going to be out just to give those two guys a look. And um, so you know that's that's where we stand. You know, with Cooley as far as. 23 men on the roster. Yeah, that's that's an issue because um Vitaly Kraftsov, who was their first round pick, you know, one of their first round picks in 2018, he was the number 9 overall. He's had all kinds of struggles with with this team, uh making the team, not making the team, going home to Russia, you know, when he got assigned to Hartford and all that. And he's been here all season long because of course now he's on a second contract and he'd need to clear waivers if they were going to send him down to the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to expose him to waivers for fear of losing him for nothing, or for fear of him going, you know, not going to the minor leagues and just going back to Russia uh, altogether. Um, so they, they've kept him here, uh, but he hasn't. He's been okay, but he hasn't really made much of an impact. And I don't think that Gallant is necessarily all that fond of him. I mean, I think, you know, the kids, the kid can skate. He's, he's got some talent. I mean, he's a first round pick after all he's done well in the, in the KHL, but for this game, he looks a little light, you know, he's easy to knock off the puck and, and he just, he hasn't made that much of an impact. And I think Gallant would rather um, have, you know, maybe a bigger body or, you know, just something different in, in that lineup spot. I mean, they tried him on the second line with Panarin um, and, you know, he just, hasn't really done anything to force Gallant to keep him in the lineup. And so that's really the issue with having 23 is you now have a 22-year-old guy, um, or 23, I guess he is, um, you know, who's not playing, you know, and and, and that's that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of an issue. So we don't know if, if um, you know, having 23 here for now uh, means that perhaps uh, GM Chris Drury you know, maybe has something in the works and, and, and somebody's going to get moved or something like that. But, but yeah, it is a little awkward to have, you know, two extra forwards in the, in the press box every night. Does it strike you as a situation maybe similar to that uh, back in September when the Rangers moved Niels Lundqvist to Dallas, that maybe it's just it's better for both sides to, to move on and maybe find Kratz off a different home? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if they could do that, that would be that would be the best solution to everyone. I think you know, I saw the kid today. Um, you know, he's not happy as you, yeah. you would expect him to not be happy, right? I mean, you know, he's. Um, I I spoke to him. I don't know a few weeks ago when when things weren't going well, and he kind of looked at me and said, "I I really don't have anything to say," <laughs> and and it's true. There's no questions to ask uh, and nothing for him to say at this point. So, I, I think we've reached that point. Yeah, I mean, barring an injury that would require him to be in the lineup every night, you know, he's an extra here and, you know, it's, it's possible if you could, if you could move him somewhere where he can get more consistent ice time and he can be part of, you know, some sort of a trade that gets you back something that, that can help you now, whether part of a package to get a veteran player or, you know, you know, just to move him somewhere to a, a you know, a, a rebuilding team where he might be able to get some ice time and, and, and establish himself. I think that would be best for all concerned. I mean, it's just not, 
it isn't working out right now. And, you know, he's a good kid, um, you know, but he hasn't really, you know, to be fair to, to Gallant, um, you know, and Gallant gets a rep for not liking to play young players and all that. But, you know, to be fair to him, I don't think the kid's done enough to force his way into the lineup on a nightly basis. Fair enough. Uh, a couple of young guys that are in the lineup on a nightly basis for the New York Rangers that uh, always come with uh, a lot of storylines and a lot of people checking in on them. Colin, could you give us uh, just your sense on the season so far for Alexia Lafreniere and Capo Caco? Obviously, you know, two very high draft picks who are, you know, still very young by NHL standards. I believe both of them still at 21 years of age. Uh, I believe they're playing most of this season with Philip Heedle on that third line. What's it been like for uh, the two young Rangers as they continue to grow in New York? Yeah, you know what? I, I spoke, as a matter of fact, I had a a, a, a pretty substantial conversation with Alexi this morning. Um, it's been a tough year for him. Uh, it, it really has been. Um, and, and I think, but I, but I think it, it's it's sort of it, it ended a little bit better just before the break when and they they reunited those three kids. Um, Kako is clearly you know the issue is that Kako is clearly the the number one the best right wing on the team, um, and he spent a lot of time up on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, and he and he did well for himself there. He did he did well. The line was good, uh, but I think um, for him what didn't work necessarily was he wasn't looking for his own shot. You know what I mean? Like he was sort of deferring to these other two guys, like, you know, and he was happy to do it in the beginning. Um, you know, he did a lot of work behind the net and he, you know, he said, you know, with those two guys, you know, that Chris Kratter is going to be in front of the net and, you know, Mika is going to be, you know, floating around looking for a one timer. So he tried to kind of fill the gaps, work the boards, uh, go behind the net and kind of look for either of those two guys. And he wasn't really looking for his own shot. And so that was, you know, while he was fine and the line was fine, um, I think Gallant wanted to put him in a position where he could, you know, be more authoritative and, and look out for himself a little bit more. And it seems like with this latest iteration of uh, of the, you know, what we call the kid line, and we're tired of that nickname, but um, – you know, with with this latest iteration, like they all seem much more comfortable because they they feel like they can take turns. You know, whether Kako goes to the net at some points or Lafreniere goes to the net or Hedl goes to the net, none of them is looking to set up the other two guys. They're all just kind of just playing, and so so it works for all of them. Now, as far as as Lafreniere is is going, it, it's been a, a rough year because he he hasn't been able to fit in. Like they've tried him up in the, you know in the top two lines. Um, you know, his thing is that, you know, the big problem with him is, you know, since day one is that he's a left wing and Kreider and Panarin are ahead of him on the depth chart at that position. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, what they did last season um, for a good chunk of the season was they switched Lafreniere to the right wing to see if that would work. And, you know, he got 19 goals last season. So we thought that was, you know, a, a good step and, you know, kind of step one in the building process. Um but then they made the trades at, at, at the deadline last year, and they brought in Andrew Kopp and Frank Vitrano, and then they dropped Lafreniere down to left wing with Hedl and, and Kopko, and that line was great in the playoffs. And so I think in the back of Gallant's mind, he just loves that line of those three young players. And, um, and you know, again, he put it, put that line together just before the, the All-Star break, and uh, it, it really was dynamic. Hedl scored a bunch of goals. And um, and so that's where they start now. And I think, you know, Laugh is looking, you know, with 33 games to go, 
he's looking to maybe get hot and and uh, maybe salvage this season a little bit because you know he's as you know he was he was scratched for a game and that was a big deal because it happened um, a few days before he went into Montreal so uh, that was a big story and he's had to deal with a lot of that and it's you know I feel bad for the kid because you know it's a lot of pressure to, to put on a guy a young guy but you know we still have to ask the questions and you know and he's still got to score more. Chatting with Colin Stevenson covers the New York Rangers for Newsday on a game day Flames and New York five thirty puck drop here on Sportsnet nine sixty the fan uh, a couple more for you Colin before we let you go here uh, I'm very interested in uh, the trade deadline plans or potential plans uh, in your mind for the New York Rangers what what do you see Chris Drury prioritizing over the next few weeks I know that the, the talk has been uh, really since day one about a potential fit for Patrick Kane. I know that that's a massive cap hit and comes with its own responsibilities and difficulty to make something like that fit. But when you look at what this team might need and what Chris Drury has at hand, what what do you see the next couple of weeks really looking like for this team? I think he needs Patrick Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I think it's the, it's clear that the, the roster is crying out for a scoring right winger. Yeah. Right. I mean, right now you have Kako, as I mentioned, is the best right you know natural right wing on the team, um, but he can't play on all top you know on all three lines in the top nine. Right. I mean, he can only play on one of those lines. Um, so they need somebody because right now their their top line right wing tonight is going to be Jimmy Vesey, who you know is a quality veteran, but you know, he came in on a on a professional tryout in, in training camp. You know, he was supposed to be a penalty killer and a fourth liner, and here he is playing on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. Uh, and the second line top, you know, right winger is uh, is Barclay Goudreau, who, you know, is when they got him, uh, he, he was supposed to be that grinding third line, you know, bottom six guy and. Um, you know, and here he is in the top six and on the right wing of of the second line, what is supposedly nominally anyway, the second line tonight. Um, you know, and, and Goudreau and, and VC both have been really excellent um, fits for the roster because they move around so much. I mean, either of them looks equally good on the first line or the fourth line. And, and Goudreau, you know, VC is a winger. He could play the right or the left. Goudreau can play the right, the left, or the middle. Uh, so, and they're both responsible defensively and all that. So they're good players and, you know, having them in the lineup is great, but having one on the first line and one on the second line tells me, tells everyone that, you know, Rangers are, you know, really need a, a top six right wing, uh, to plug in there. And if it's not going to be Kane and they can make Kane work if, if Chicago, you know, retains half of the, you know, the cap hit and, you know, we just have to worry about players and all that but the issue that they run into with a guy like Kane is how much do you give up for him because I don't I don't know that you can keep him past this season you know they're they're gonna have some cap issues next year and and so that's that's the complication with that I've seen Timo Meyer's name floated around and that would make a lot of sense that would you know that would that would be great that would be Mm -hmm. a tremendous fit but I don't know that they can afford him you know so I don't know I don't know that they can afford him cap wise, and I don't know if they want to pay the price that it would take to get him. You know, but I mean, it, it, you know, look out for that one because if you look at San Jose's GM Mike Greer, is one of Chris Drury's pals. You know, yeah. I mean, he worked. Uh, he was Chris Drury's first hire with, when Drury got the job as the Rangers GM, and worked with him all of last season. And they played college hockey together at Boston University. So, you know, they go back a long way, and I, I. 
I think it 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 only makes sense that they will be talking to each other. So, you know, that's that's a possibility as well. I mean, I've seen uh, Vladimir Tarasenko's name put out there, but it's it's you know. I, I find that with Drury, you know, he's only had one trade deadline before this, right? And he he did well last year, but he had much more cap space. So I, I you know, it, it could be one of those names that's been tossed out there, but it could be somebody else. But yes, he he definitely needs a guy that he can plug into one of those, you know, top two lines on the right side that can score some goals, and then that's that's got to be priority number one. Now there's there's other things, you know, I mean, you'd like to get a depth defenseman maybe you know, a seventh or maybe a guy that can play the sixth spot, you know, mm-hmm. that left side on the third pair, um, you know, and, and uh, I think they could probably use a, a guy to center that fourth line. Um, so there's the, you know, but, but those are wish list items. I think the top priority has got to be that, you know, top six right wing. Uh, and just last one for you, the, you mentioned the, the Rangers defense there and, and what a young you know, up and coming group it is. You think of the names, of course, here in Calgary, Adam Fox has always talked about, I think Ryan Lindgren's a really underrated player too. Braden Schneider's coming great, but the guy I want to ask you about as we close out here is, is Keandre Miller this season. And we started to see flashes of what he could be last year and into the postseason. And he's really seemed like he's exploded onto the scene. What have you seen from him that's sort of taking his game to the next level this year? Well, I think uh, I think what what's what he's added this year, what we've seen you talk about next level is, is his offense, right? Um, he's, you know, when you watch him on an every night basis, you, you get used to, he's a, he's a wonderful skater um, and he's so tall and everybody talks about his reach and stuff. I mean, you, you know, he can get forward and then he can get back and then guys think that they're open. And then, you know, this six, five guy with this long reach just flicks the stick out there and pokes it away. Um, so that's something that he's always had, but this year he's really stepped up his offense. He's, I mean, he's scored what in my mind is a, is a goal of the year candidate. Um, you know, I, I forget even what team it was, but it was, he was going in on a breakaway and he gets tripped and he falls to his knees and he's still moving forward, and he gets up and still finishes the breakaway and scores. You know, it's like you yeah. know, the ref's arm went up with a delayed penalty. Most guys probably get up at that point, and and you know, and just you know, play for the uh, delayed penalty and, and and for the you know, wait for the power play. But he got up and was able to still finish the breakaway. I I'm pretty sure I'd never seen that before. So, you know, he's doing things you know offensively that. We knew he was capable of, but you know, hadn't necessarily seen that in his first two years in the league. Um, and then recently, uh, they've they've acknowledged that by actually putting him on the second power play unit. Um, and and you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see how much that's going to help, you know, uh, pile up his point total. But he was he was on a hot streak there for a little while. He was he was scoring a lot of points, uh, and I think you know he's 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 got a chance to. You know, really, you know, because this is a contract year for him as well. So, I mean, he's got a chance with a good year to, you know, to really get paid next uh, next season. Colin, thanks so much for the time today. Really appreciate your insights on the group here. I know the Flames will see the Rangers uh, a couple times this month and uh, looking forward to both of them, including getting back to uh, regular season action tonight. Thanks so much for the time this afternoon. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, hey? Thanks very much. I, uh, I appreciate your uh, having me on. Thank you. We'll do it again shortly. Uh, Colin Stevenson joining us uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline covering the New York Rangers for Newsday. You can find him on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday. All the latest uh, goings on with this Rangers team. Tons of interesting storylines. They're in a playoff spot. 
Do they make a push for Patrick Kane? Uh, Yaroslav Halak gets the start tonight uh, against the Calgary Flames. All of it available right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. It's an early puck drop of the game out east. That means uh, we're going to kick off Flames Talk early with Pat Steinberg. That's coming up in just a few moments' time. Thank you to Lou. Thank you to Colin Stevenson for joining us on the program today. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the Rangers and the Flames. That's coming up later tonight here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.